You know, February is always a great time to preach any message. But it's always a great time to talk about emotions, talk about love, talk about what we're going through in our life. And uh, I have to tell you, as I was praying about what to, to speak about, I thought, how neat would it be to talk about emotions that all of us go through and, uh, and to be able to deal with it? Love is an action. And so I figured, so is people that are angry. It's also an action. And so, I w- if you would, please turn your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. If I were to ask you, of all the human emotions you are capable of experiencing, which one seems to be the most difficult for you to cope with? I believe that the majority of you would, would say that dealing with the emotion of anger is the most complex and challenging of all of them. All on a day-in and day-out basis. Two things. It's complex and yet it's challenging. So what are you trying to say, Pastor? Complex. Because anger can and will surface at the strangest times. Brought forth for the strangest of reasons and exhibited in the strangest ways. Would you agree? Yet it is challenging because anger, if not handled properly can be a very dangerous and destructive emotion. It can be hurtful to us physically, emotionally, and rationally, but yet it can affect us spiritually. There's always a price tag for improperly handling anger. Anyone, anyone who has experienced an incident when they let their anger get the best of them will confirm that actions committed in that kind of anger are later regretted. God has a lot to say about anger. Do you understand that the word anger or angry is found 384 times in the Bible? 384 times. That must mean that we all deal with it on a day-to-day basis. Amen? Even Psalms 4.4 says, Be agitated, be angry, and sin not. So now we look at Ephesians Chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. It says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place, neither give opportunity to the devil. Proverbs 25, 28 says, He hath no control over his own spirit or anger, but it is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Proverbs 15.1 reads, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous or harsh words stir up anger. Most of us realize that people who can't control their anger have a real problem. So notice, what is your routine for handling the emotion of anger? Why are we discussing it today? Why would the church discuss such a profound Word, Because I think and I know we all deal with it on a day-to-day basis. How are you handling that emotion of anger? Does it work? Not always and seldom. Take heart. God has a method that does and he tells us about it in his word. And so today I challenge you to look at the scripture in light of emotions of anger, how we deal with anger, how it affects our marriages And how we can internalize and say, okay, how can I change this emotion in my life? 
in teaching this, I want us to look at God's biblical method for taming the temper. Notice I didn't say God's method for getting rid of our anger, but for taming of it. It is not in God's purpose to eliminate the ability to get angry. He puts it in us to begin with. All anger is not bad. And sometimes it's good for us to get angry. Anger in itself is neither good or bad. It's why we get angry and how we express it that determines if it's good or bad, healthy or unhealthy anger. God has given us his word and his spirit to work in us to enable us to harness and take control over our anger. So it becomes a positive and not a negative force in our life. He wants us to do what? He says to be angry and sin not. Ephesians 4.26 spells it out for us. I love that it says, I remember my grandma writing in our card when we got married, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. I'm like, what in the world is all that about? But I got it. Let's not go to bed angry at one another. Turning and facing the walls. We've all been there. We've all done it. We've all faced that in our life. But it says anger managed correctly can be an asset and not a liability. Anger is something we can't avoid, but it is something we can learn to control. We've all been there. How many of you have faced anger in your life? Okay, I'm glad that, you know, a good portion of the church is honest this morning. Okay, glad we're amongst a bunch of brothers and sisters. Listen, anger has been compared to the combustible explosion in a car engine that produces the power to make the car move. When those explosions are under control, they will take a car safely to its destination. But if instead of controlling the flow of gas producing these orderly explosions... Say we ignite all of the gases all at once, what would happen? We'd blow both up, we'd blow the car up and ourselves. So we've got to be careful how we show people our anger. Proverbs 29.11 says this, A fool gives a piece of their mind, but a wise man keeps himself under control. This morning, I hope we can all say we're challenged. Some people have said, you know what, I think you need to go to anger management. I think you're dealing with some problems. Listen, church, I've had some explosive behaviors in this congregation. It scares me. Now I know why I was down in South Carolina and I saw at uh, the church I went to, Cathedral of Praise, there's 2,500 people. And as I was looking down at the balcony, I'm, I'm up on the balcony and I'm looking down at the pastor. This was the third service of 2,500 people. And there's two guys standing on his side and a guy with a mic and he had a clipboard and that was his, you know, he was telling him, do this, do that, up, down, smoke, lights. I don't know what he was doing, but he was, you know, that was his job. And it's so funny because as I went down to say something to, to Brother Mike, the pastor, there's two guys standing like this. The only thing they were missing was speaking into their watch. And I thought to myself, He's got a bodyguard. And he's like, hey, Brother Todd, let's go back to my office and talk. Meanwhile, you ready? The bodyguards turn and they walk the pastor to his office. Hmm, interesting, isn't it? That's why. Because some people have had explosive behaviors, maybe. 
I don't know. I think we've dealt with anger in some situations where with 2,500 people, three services, in my calculations, that's 7,500 people. Am I correct in my math? That's a lot of people. Although, you know, I think they practice simultaneously how to move and how to guard and all that kind of stuff. I thought I was dealing with the president. Yeah, he's got obsessive compulsive disorder too. But controlling your anger before it controls you. And I realize that, you know, when we, we talk about this subject, it affects all of us in our workplace, in our relationships, with our children, within the church. But you're going to talk about that today? Yes, I'm going to talk about it today. And some of us might have to uh, relate to what I want to show you here shortly about a friend of mine who had to go sit with Dr. Phil. And, and, and I even said when I was speaking with Medea, I said, you really need to go to some, some counseling and she wasn't, she wasn't happy about it, but maybe you could put yourself in the same place as my good friend, Medea. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you, Lord, for, for your word. Lord, help me today to express this and, and understand that it's out of love and that, Lord, we all deal with anger, but we need to let people see Christ in our life and let them see love. Lord, may we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. May you show your grace. May you lift us up. Lord, you said that you give grace to the humble, but you resist the proud. Lord, help us to put aside our pride and to be holy as you are holy. Lord, bless this message today. Prick our hearts for those that are here that made it out in a blizzard. Lord, teach us something today. In your name we pray. Amen. Watch closely. I told them that I didn't need to come here and see you, okay? Well, I don't usually see people individually, but when I saw this tape of you getting arrested, I thought, I have got to talk to this woman. What is wrong with you? Why are you, act, why are you so angry? First of all, ain't nothing wrong with me. Secondly, I'm not angry, okay? I'm not angry. You seem angry right now. No, I'm not angry. This is how I am. I, I don't have no hostility at all. What, do you have to be in control all the time of everything? I don't have to be in control all the time. I ain't got no problem with that. Well, then why do you get so angry? I don't get angry. I keep trying to tell you and that judge that I do not get angry. If somebody do something to me, I do something to them. This is common sense. So you believe in getting even? To the yeah. Why do you feel the need that you got to get somebody all the time? It's like, get them, get them, get them. You don't think that's angry? If they got me, got me, got me, I got to get them, get them, get them. Yeah, that, that's what it is. But, but, well, what you call getting got is a whole lot different than what other people call getting got. It doesn't take much to get you, does it? Well, when you're getting got and somebody done got you and you go get them, when you get them, everybody's going to get got. Yeah, but if you're getting somebody that you say got you when they didn't get you to begin with, then you're getting the godders when they didn't do anything to you Yeah, to but if you. the godders get me, I'm going to get my Glock. Yeah, well, but you don't get the Glock when you hadn't been got. So what I'm trying to explain to you is I don't care who done got me, I'm going to get them first. You get me, I'm going to get you. Why is it so important? Okay. I'm tired of you asking me all these questions because I didn't sign up for this. This is the judge that told me to come here, okay? Everybody wants to get even. Everybody wants to get even. Well, all right. Well, all right, look. Let's just talk about your childhood, okay? Let's talk about your childhood. 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 <sighs> Talking about my childhood isn't going to help us. So what was your childhood like? What was yours like? You, why? Uh, let's talk about your anger. That's why you're here, right? <laughs> I'm not angry. I don't know why I'm here. Let's just try another approach. Let's okay? try another approach. All right. Do you sleep well at night? 
Do you sleep well at night? Let's try not to answer a question with a question. Could we do that? If Could you, we at least do that? Yes, if we at least stop asking me all these questions, I won't have to answer a question with a question, I will I? Can you stop? Can you just stop? Can you just stop? Can you just stop? Okay. Look, Are you getting angry, Doctor? This isn't getting anywhere. This is not getting anywhere. No, I, I think I think I am going to talk to the judge, but Thank I don't you. think this is getting anywhere. I think we're done. Here. Thank you so much. I okay, appreciate that's it. That's good. Wonderful to see you. Yeah, well, yes. Yeah. Uh huh, right. Yeah, great. <laughs> Come on, Court. Wait a minute. Oh, well? This lady is out of control. She is. I, I can't help her. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute now. Now, you the best. Go see somebody else. I'm done. Come on, Court. My good friend Medea kind of shows everybody exactly when you don't confess, when you don't say, listen, some things need to change in my life, they'll never change. Point one, four faces of anger. I want you to see in Scripture, there are four words we use to describe different levels or types of anger that we experience. You're saying, Pastor, we came to hear a message today. I didn't know I was in, in the... Uh, the counseling class, well, guess what? Sometimes we just have to, we bring counseling to the pulpit, amen? And I think sometimes we need to, to see really, you know, if, if God put it in his word 384 times, I think it's important for us to be able to express the importance of what is anger and how do we deal with it in our life. I want to make you better and not bitter. I want you freed. I want you to live a victorious Christian life. That's my desire as a pastor. And so we notice that one of the four faces of anger is rage. You see, rage is used to describe a short-fused, intense, explosive, uncontrollable anger. It's a fly-off-the-handle, let, let, let all of the temper blow-out type, type uh, attitude that leaves you and everybody around you torn to pieces. We try to excuse it by saying, I know I lose my temper real fast, but it's all over in a few minutes. See, so is a bomb explosion, but an awful lot of damage can take place in just a few minutes. Will Rogers once commented, people who fly into a rage seldom make a good landing. When you lose your temper, you always lose. When you lose your temper, you always lose. Proverbs fourteen seventeen says, He that is quick-tempered is soon angered, dealeth foolishly, and is hated. Proverbs 21, 22 says, An angry man stirreth up strife. People who express this type of anger are walking time bombs with hair-trigger tempers ready to explode. Typical excuses used by these short fusers sound like this. I just couldn't help it. It made me so angry. Or it just got to me and touched, ticked off my temper. Or it's like something just came over me and I couldn't do anything about it. Well, let me tell you something. If there's something you're going through and that anger gets to the place where you don't know how to control it, you need to go see a doctor. You need freedom. You need victory. Because then that can be harmful to somebody else. And that's rage. James 1.19 says, Give some sound advice to the ragers. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. 
The quickest way to cut down your own throat is by your own sharp tongue, by saying things you shouldn't have said because you just had to get it off your chest. It amazes me that rage is sudden anger that must be controlled. We notice, too, in the Bible it talks about wrath. So what is wrath? It is used to describe an anger that wants revenge, that desires to retaliate, that wants to return the hurt or injustice the offender has caused them. It's an anger that holds a grudge. It's an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. Don't get even, but get ahead. I'll think of a way to pay you back for this type of anger. Wrathful anger is always accompanied by by what? By an unforgiving spirit. Wrath anger was what the Pharisees felt toward Jesus. They had built up their own religious playhouse by taking the laws of God and attaching hundreds of their own addendums to it, making it almost impossible to keep the original laws of God. The truth Jesus came teaching began to dismantle their playhouse, and the Pharisees got fighting mad. They were furious. Luke chapter 6 verse 11 says, but they, the Pharisees, were furious. At who? At Jesus. And began to plot with each other what they might do to Jesus. Hmm. Isn't that amazing? We retaliate. We want to get back at somebody. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. Medea says she gets her Glock. Well, we don't want to grab our Glock. (laughs) Grab a hold of God and allow Him to start to release some of that in your life. Label wrath is sinful anger that must be condemned. Third, resentment is used to describe an anger that stems from what? From a grievance. It is an anger that the person suppresses over a long period of time and allows quietly to smolder down inside them. Resentment, anger doesn't blow up, but clams up. It is nurtured inside the person. It produces self-pity that eventually turns into what? Bitterness. But resentment, anger was what the elder son felt toward his prodigal brother and father. He had been the good son the faithful son, the stay-at-home son, keep-on-the-job son, the prodigal brother was the bad son, the unfaithful son, the vagabond, and the lazy son. And we know the story of the prodigal son. And, And here's the thing, we always talk about the prodigal as he came back to home and how God the Father, you know, held him in his arm, wiped the tears from his eyes, and embraced him and brought him back. But in the back is the one son who's doing one of these numbers. He was resentful. He was so angry that, as we look in the parable, that God the Father says, what we're going to do, we're going to have all of your friends come in, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to go get a calf, we're going to sacrifice a calf, because we look at you as valuable, and and the, the son in the back is holding all this type of resentment and jealousy and anger towards his brother. So we never look at the other part of the story. We're always looking at the one that that God shows His grace and His forgiveness. But the same love and grace was bestowed upon that young man who was faithful. 
who served his father, who was dedicated and devoted. This is what it says in Luke chapter 15, verses 28 through 30. It says this, and he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and entreated him. And he answered, he said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandments. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed the fatted calf. Let me ask you a question. Do you want the same love of God to be bestowed upon all of us? Do we all need to look at things and say, oh, there's different degrees of love. God loves us in different degrees. No, He loves us all the same. And yes, He wants all of us to be at a place in our life where we can, with humility, go back to Him. But there's always something. Isn't it something how Satan, the hater, always is trying to show... Look what's going on over there with him. They're part of the special people crowd. Isn't that something? We see it everywhere. But let's just do this. Let's just, instead of harboring resentment, let's go over and be a part and love those special people crowd. That's what God wants from us. Resentment, anger, damages the human personality and destroys relationships with who? With others. Proverbs 18:19 says, "It is harder to win back the friendship of an offended brother than to capture a fortified city. His anger shuts you out like iron bars." Let's label resentment as stubborn anger that must be conquered. Stubborn anger that must be conquered. And then the fourth one that I want to point out to you this morning is indignation. It is used to describe an anger that rises up in us as a result of seeing someone or something of importance to us being mistreated or suffering an injustice. Indignation anger is free from rage, resentment, and retaliation. It's a healthy anger that is aimed at the problem and not the person. You see, it's an anger for the right reason and expressed in the right way. It's a controlled anger that is meant to be corrective and constructive. Isn't it amazing? I always love moms. I love watching moms. They remind me, have you ever watched a Canadian goose over her geesling or gooseling or goslings? There you go. I knew it was one of those fancy words that isn't in my vocabulary. Buddy, you get next to that little baby and all of a sudden mom starts squawking. She starts chasing you. I remember when I was... Uh, just a young man. We we had this huge tree that was in our backyard, and up above it was a blue jay nest. And two of the babies fell out of the nest. Grandpa decides to walk out of the house, and I'm I'm viewing this. Grandpa walks out of the back of the house, and guess what starts taking place? Not only one blue jay. But mom cried out for dad, for brothers and sisters, cousins, and, and all the members at New Hope Christian Fellowship attacked my grandfather. And I saw it. They came down and started dive bombing his head because he was getting around. And they were squawking. And, you know, blue jays are just so quiet and submissive. And you never hear a word out of them. But uh, not true. But, you know, they were angry. That's indignation for the love that that mother had 
for her babies. I also love when we look in Scripture. I want you to turn with me, if you would please, to Mark. Matthew, Mark. Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And I'm going to show you just how much that Jesus Christ loves us. And he can get angry and he can show his anger. And, you know, I was, I was telling Becky this morning as you're turning there to not get off the subject, but, you know, every time we talk about anger, here's what everybody always tells me. You know, Pastor, I'm allowed to be this angry because, you see, you know, even Jesus was angry when they were, you know, selling and buying in the temple. Everybody always goes to that because they're justifying their actions. Okay, so that means when I get mad at you, I'm going to come to your house, I'm going to start turning over tables. I'm going to start, you know, taking a knife and ripping up your furniture. No, that's not what it's about. It's about a passion. And so when we look in Mark chapter 3, verse 1 through 6, it reveals the kind of thing that triggered the indignation anger of Jesus. Let's read it together. And he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. And he said unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And he said unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save life or to kill it? But they held their peace. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand and he stretched it out and his hand was restored whole as the other watch closely and the pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the herodians against him how they might destroy him were they angry they got mad because if you look back verse 27 and he said unto them the sabbath was made for man and not man For the Sabbath, the Pharisees had lost their compassion for others. They cared not for the condition of the man with the withered hand. All that mattered was maintaining a legalistic obedience to the letter of the law. They believed their traditions were more important than easing the pain or meeting the needs of another human being. They had forgotten that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Because it was a day of rest, and so they were identifying that as such in their life. Why are you healing on the Sabbath? Jesus looks at them in anger. He is stirred with indignation at what he sees in them because he recognizes their compassionless, rule-keeping mindset. Notice how Jesus expressed his anger. Watch closely. He did not explode in a rage. He did not call down fire from heaven on them in a temper tantrum. He did not allow resentment, anger to smolder down inside of them. And he did not suppress his anger. But Jesus chose to channel his anger to carefully chosen words of response that he released in a controlled way. He didn't respond in a way that would allow them to fight back. You see, you can't put things across by getting cross. To take the wind out of an angry man's sails, stay calm. Indignation anger is the only type of anger that Scripture allows. 
Any anger that rises up in us filled with rage, wrath, or resentment must be immediately challenged for its destructive anger. Anger that comes as a result of righteous indignation must be cultivated because it is a constructive anger that God does not condemn. So, we look at this story, and we've all been there. Why is it that we always have to fight for our cause? Did you notice even in the video? And I wanted to show that. If she would have just said, yes, I have a problem. But because of pride, Medea wouldn't even come to a place where she would admit, yes, I have a problem. I had one man say to me over the almost nine years of, of pastoring, are you getting angry, pastor? No, you've never seen me angry. No, I'm being passionate. And I have conviction about how I feel. Isn't it amazing that, you know, I, I was thinking about this, just the word indignation and this type of anger. How many of you have been part of a church that everything is so legalistic? Stick with the law. Can I just tell you? I would like to make a motion. Who would like to second it? Oh. Why does everything have to be so formal? Everything has to be legalistic because we've created these laws for ourselves to make it difficult on us. So that if we get audited by the government, we can then say that in our articles of incorporation and in our minutes of our meeting that we did everything properly. Isn't it amazing that Jesus said, uh, excuse me, Pharisees and Sadducees, out with the legalism. I'm going to show you who has ultimate authority, and that's God. See, we're so quick when it's for our own benefit to use legalism, to use the law for our benefit. But when we want to break it, we don't want to use it for our benefit. Amen, church? We've all been there. So we need to be careful just how legalistic we become, but how passionate we need to become. Because I know that even within our churches, people are legalistic. Three ways people handle, handle anger. They do three things. They either repress it, they suppress it, or they express it. Repression, we are told, is a form of what? Denial. Listen closely. Maybe put yourself in one of these categories because I did myself. And I had to ask the question, said, what type of anger am I? How do I deal with anger? How, do I, how does it work in my life? Here's what it says. If I deny that I am angry, then I won't have to deal with it. If I just ignore it, it will go away. I'll just work real hard at pretending it's not there. Most usually, repressors have seen or felt the destructive power of anger and being gun-shy of it. They try to avoid it. They just paint anger invisible, and they think it's gone. But is it? No. Repression is not the healthiest way to handle anger. It's not an emotion that can be dealt with properly by simply forgetting about it. If the anger energy is not brought out in the open and taken care of in a safe way, it will be directed through other channels until it is heard from. It will not be ignored, and usually it is the physical body that feels the effects of repressed anger. And I will show you and list some of those to you. Some of you repress your anger, and it does hurt you physically. It can hurt you emotionally, mentally, 
And how is it that you're going to let go of it and, and, and deal with it? Listen, the blood system producing heart attacks. How many of you have seen somebody get so mad they turn beet red and you go, they're going to have a heart attack? We've all seen it. I think we've all experienced I used to have a principal, Mr. Croft. When that man got mad over, I'm thinking, son, get back in line. I'm like, wow. He'd turn red. I'm thinking, that man is going to die of a heart attack. And, and he did. Stomach muscles, enhancing strokes. Muscles tense up, elevating blood pressure. Digestive tract, producing ulcers. By repressing anger, we think we bury it dead. Actually, we are burying it alive. It sooner or later rises from its grave in another, in another form. Nothing can take place in the body without affecting everything else about us. Anger affects our state of mind, and state of mind affects, in many ways, our body. How many of you would say, I repress some things? And then we go on to suppress. In suppressing anger... We are very much aware that we are angry, but for one reason or another, we choose to stifle expressing it and simply hold it inside of us. By doing that, we think that we are neutralizing our feelings of anger, but actually, we silently nurture it within and allow it to simmer on the back burner of our mind. I'm going to confess, I'm a suppressor. I suppress it. And it's not healthy. Suppressing it, or repressing it is not healthy. I grant you there are times when suppressing our anger is the wisest thing to do. But eventually that swallowed anger must be drained off and gotten out of our emotional system or it will build up until it blows up. And suppressed anger is usually drained off on a less threatening, unsuspecting person. Usually that person is another family member. My wife has said to me, I'm just going to, you know, I'm the one up here, so I've got to confess and show you an illustration. Honey, why are you so short with the girls? What do you mean? <laughs> That's what I mean. What happened today? Isn't that amazing? A lot of us men suppress it. That's how we are. Women are just much more emotional, and, and they love to express it, but we suppress it. Let me give you an illustration of how this actually works. An employer calls a worker in and confronts him angrily over some work problems. The employee feels the employer is wrong and anger rises up in him. The employee is afraid of losing his job, so he suppresses his anger and stuffs it down inside of him and goes home. You see now, since it's this, the love month, we'll bring in the marriage the wife, unaware of what has happened today at work, greets him at the door with a smile, but the man, still angry, only snarls at her. The wife now has two options, to, has two options open to her. She can snarl back or she can stuff it. So she chooses to stuff it. Just then, the teenage son comes in, and mom unloads her stuffed anger on him by finding something to yell about. The son, in turns, he stuffs it until later when he unloads on his younger brother, who unloads on his little sister, who unloads on her doll she was playing with by ripping off the head of that little doll. <laughs> and that is suppressing anger. You see, the effects of repressed anger eventually flows over into our body. 
The effects of suppressed anger eventually flows over into our body and our relationships with other people. Repressing and suppressing anger is not the best way to deal with anger. How many of you want to be better for Jesus? How many of you want to say, I want people to see Christ in my life? All of us would say that. We're all there. We need to learn that we cannot repress or suppress. Three, we need to express it. Listen, since the 1970s, we've become a nation that has been told to get our feelings out in the open. If it feels good, you just do it and you say it. And this included expressing our anger. Now, expressing anger can be all right, or it can be a right thing to do, providing it is released in the correct way. And that means it's under control and is corrective or constructive, not never destructive. When people get angry, their thinking process usually gets short-circuited. Reactionary impulses race through their mind in a disjointed fashion, and they're not likely to think things through in a rational way. That is why most people blow it when releasing anger. They put their mouth in gear before they engage their mind. Proverbs 16.23 says this, The heart of the wise or intelligent people think before they speak. Hmm. Knowing when and how to release anger is important. Sensitivity is a trait that angry person needs to hold on to. Listen, a crowded elevator is not the best place to let it all out when you're angry with someone. A wise wife knows it's better to unload the frustrations of her day onto the husband after he has the time to sit down and unwind after a long day's work. Three things to remember in expressing anger. One, remember the result of an unbridled anger. Ask yourself if you want to go through that again. Two, reflect before responding. When you start to get angry, delay your response. Stop and think before reacting. Three, restrain your remarks. Proverbs twenty-one twenty-three says, Whoso guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from trouble. Whoso guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from trouble. Use sweet words because you may have to eat them. I put on my, my face post, I've often regretted my speech seldom. My silence is in the front of my Bible. and all my Bibles, I like to write it down. I've often regretted my speech seldom. My silence. Most of us feel that sense of we have to express it. We have to let people know how we feel. And that's okay. But what we need to do is we, rem- we need to remember who we're talking to and the effects of what we're saying to them. And that's huge in light of the importance of who that person is even to God. And then I, I say this with you, point three. God wants us free from anger that would hinder our Christian testimony. God wants us free from anger that would hinder our Christian testimony. You see, one day the Lord is going to present His church, this glorious church, made up of people like you and me. Not having spot or wrinkle, and it says without blemish, as we read in Ephesians 5.27. That church is going to display the characteristics of Jesus in their life. 
As members of that church, you and I, as believers, are day by day brought into conformity to the pattern of Jesus. God has committed himself to the task of working out of us everything that would hinder the fulfillment of that purpose. You see, Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure to do what? To remove the spots, the wrinkles, and the blemishes out of us. Philippians 1.6 says this, Inform us that he hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We are going to resemble Jesus when he comes again. And we as the church must resemble Jesus Christ every day of our life. You see, we need to do it not just by coming to church, but I want you to listen closely. We need to do it in our attitude, in our character, in our thought life, in our speech, and in our actions. You see, God is already working out all of these elements of your life that hinder you and hinder our Christian walk. At the same time, He is working into us His character and His nature. And as believers, it is important that we know and understand that there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that God will find in any of us as He works in us that will come as a surprise or a shock to him. He already knew it was there, and yet he still loves us. He knew the worst about us, and he still saved us. He wants us to know that the only way for us to express anger in a healthy way is to allow him to take charge of it. If we do not... Watch what we say, how we respond, and what we do. It will hinder our Christian testimony. How many have seen right into adult life temper tantrums from spoiled, rotten kids? We've all seen it. And some of us still deal with that same level of anger because we've allowed it. We've allowed it in our marriages. We've allowed it with our children. We've allowed it in the church. But I'm going to give you this last and final thought. Letting God handle your anger. Now I'm going to share this with you. Pastor, why are you talking about anger on a month when there's love? It's been the number one topic in the last month in my life. With many people, with many couples. And I know that Satan is dealing with a lot of people. And so it's a topic that needs to be expressed. Not suppressed, but expressed. And I love you as a church. And if we don't get a hold of our anger, we're going to lose control of who we are. And as a believer, I'm learning that as I give heed to the Word of God, and its instruction, and the Holy Spirit's guidance. I'm gaining control of anger, and it no longer controls me. I'm no longer afraid of anger and my response to it. Like Christ, I choose to do what is right to do 
regardless of what my feelings and emotions urge me to do and regardless of what others push me to do. And I'm also learning to be angry and sin not. Church, we deal with this on a daily basis in the workplace with people. And I just want you to, to, to say this with me. When you start to see some anger rise up in somebody, stop, look, and listen. And then you look at them and say, you need some love up in there. Because they do. The Bible talks about anger. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, to wrath. We need to be careful. As I conclude, things to remember about anger. Just one moment of uncontrolled anger before others can ruin your testimony. Anger is too unpredictable to allow it to be in control. The anger ledger needs to be balanced at the end of every day and don't carry it overnight. According to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31, anger keeps company with a pretty rough crowd. Bitterness, wrath, clamor, slander, malice. These ugly traits are always ready to do what? To tag along with anger, trying to influence it. And then we remember the final words of this chapter in Ephesians, verse 32. And it says this, But listen, Christian, listen, my child, be kind one to another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Galatians 5.22 says the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. You can't have your life filled up with these nine things and be angry at the same time with the wrong anger. Listen, church, we must know Him. We must love Him. Remember Him. And more importantly than anything, we need to imitate who Jesus Christ is. As a result, we will fulfill the intended purpose of the law. And what was the law? To love God and our neighbors. Which of these qualities do you want the Spirit to produce in you? You see, anger is contagious. Be not deceived. For God said, He is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Consider the consequences of your words spoken in anger. This morning, we looked at the Word. And as I was speaking with my wife, I said, you know, it, it does amaze me. When you study a, a topical word, and I challenged everybody in our, our Daw Bible Fellowship, take one word, take an hour, get into the Word of God, take that one word and study it. And at our next ABF, we want people to share what, what the Lord really did in their life. When I look at the word anger, I think sometimes 
We've allowed it to control us. Don't allow your anger to control you. Today is your day of deliverance. Allow God to replace it with His Spirit, with the fruit of His Spirit. Man, love one another. We all talk about, we come to a church and everybody says God is love. Yes, He is love. But we notice that today, even in indignation, there is love that we're passionate about. And we can express that love in a Christ-like way. If we'll just allow Him to do that in and through us. Where are you at today in your journey with Jesus Christ? Have you allowed some sin to come up in your life? Have you allowed some obstacles to be placed there that has hindered you from, from being all that you need to be for Him? And today, I want you to replace maybe some of those emotions. And the altar's always open to you. And ask God, Lord, help me to be a little bit kinder and loving. Show patience. Be what I need to be. But it takes that first step, admitting that you have a problem. This morning, I encourage you and I urge you to just take what you heard and live it out in your life. Today's your breakthrough. Today's where God wants to, to put that behind you and step forward. I love what we expressed in our Bible study this past Friday. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Are we living a holy, righteous life? And more than people seeing Jesus Christ in my life, I want Him to see His Spirit in me. And can He see that in your life? Let's all stand as we pray. Lord, we come to you this morning realizing that we have emotions and hang-ups and habits in our life. Lord, we didn't come today by accident. We came for a divine purpose and for our appointment. And Lord, we just pray that you will work all things out for your good. Deliver us, help us. Forgive us. Help us to be what we need to be for you. Lord, may we show others just how much we love our neighbors and love others. Be careful what we say or, or how we act in, in traffic or what we do at the fast food restaurant because our order wasn't correct. Lord, we've shown anger because it's selfish anger. And this morning as we dissected the word anger and, and know that it comes in different forms and in different ways, Lord, may we put that behind us and Lord, just exhibit love and exhibit kindness and long-suffering and forgiveness and patience in our lives. God, help us to be more like you and less like us. In your name we pray. Amen.